0: We interrupt this broadcast with some important news.
1: Let's rewind and check out the biggest news stories from this week. It's time 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 for Taiwan Taiwan This Week.
0: Good evening and welcome to Taiwan This Week with me, your host Gavin Phipps, and I'm joined in the studio this evening by Dimitri Budas. Hi there and by Ross Feingold. Good evening. And we'll be jumping in with this week's show by looking at some election-related news, with the DPP's presidential candidate, Lai ching te this past weekend once again dismissing concerns that a win for him in January's election heightens the risk of cross-strait conflict. China, of course, earlier this year described Lai as a troublemaker and warned that his election could spark war. And then there was the Bloomberg News headline in August that read, Taiwan's election is all about war, and it begged the question, can Lai ching te keep the peace with Beijing. And last week, KMT presidential candidate Ho Yui told reporters that Lai's position as a pragmatic worker for Taiwanese independence would lead to war with China. Now, talking in a television interview, Lai said that his commitment to peace through strength and his standing up with the democratic camp to deter Beijing would minimise the chances of a cross-strait conflict. Lai said while Taiwan should be open to being friends with China, national security and peace cannot depend on Beijing's goodwill alone and should not come at the price of the island's sovereignty. Now, the DPP 2024 hopeful added that he's willing to engage in exchanges and cooperation with China based on the interest and well-being of the people on both sides of the Taiwan Strait. However, he also stressed that should be done only on the basis of reciprocity and dignity and not by accepting the 1992 consensus. So, Ross, he's done this a few times, but of course, the last time he did it was this past weekend when he said, no, 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 a vote for me is not a vote for war.
1: It's something that he's had to confront during the election campaign. Uh, but he does have the benefit, I suppose, of uh, being the current vice president and uh, was part of the team when Tsai Ing-wen DPP team when Tsai Ing-wen was elected in 2016. What I mean is, he could say, "Well, we've had two consecutive DPP administrations and there wasn't war, so why should there be a war if I got elected as the president? Uh, I'm just going to continue Tsai Ing-wen's policies." So he's got that that going for him. Uh, of course. Uh, it's no surprise that the Nationalist Party, the Go Dong, uh, and their candidate Ho Yo-i would try and portray a vote for the DPP as a vote for war. Uh, I'm not sure if it's a winning talking point, though, if if you're trying to say vote for Ho Yo-i. I, I think uh, the Go Dong needs to do a little, a little bit more than just uh, make their message that voting for the DPP or Lai Ching-da is a vote for war.
2: Well, it's fair to take into account that what Taiwan has accomplished over the past eight years, but we should also take into account the challenges the country has faced over time. And one of the major challenges is the lack of communication between the two sides of the Taiwan Strait. Taiwan has made it clear in the past that it won't be forced to sit at the negotiation table with China. And the vice president's campaign has focused on Taiwan's democracy democratic achievements as a way of drawing the line between here and there. So If he gets elected in 2024, he would likely continue with the same strategy. Well, reproducing the same strategy is not enough as the world keeps changing. But for the ruling party, we should remember that compromising on something like sovereignty is impossible. So accordingly, it is very likely that tension will continue to rise in the weeks leading to Taiwan's presidential election and the months leading to the US presidential election. So... Tension will increase, but it doesn't mean that there will be a conflict for all of them.
0: And Ross, do you see tensions increasing vastly towards the election, or do you think they'll just carry on as they have been since
1: your former Speaker of the House paid us a visit? Well, tensions are pretty high at the moment. I'm not sure how we could make them worse in the next uh, few weeks and months before voting day. You know, it's not that far away. We're only two months away from the election now. Uh, I suppose China could... Uh, put on a big military exercise, but I'm not sure if that would cause the public to vote against Lai Qingda or cause him to lose support. Uh, they have this trade investigation report uh, into uh, restrictions that Taiwan imposes on a long list of products made in China. Uh, That's supposed to come out a day before the election. Maybe it'll come out a little earlier. But again, I'm not sure by itself if that would sway uh, the voters. So uh, I think China's response to the election, and eventually they'll do the same stuff they always do, whether it's military exercise or uh, persuading a country to drop diplomatic relations with Taiwan, et cetera, et cetera, those usual tools. It'll come. Uh, China will keep doing these things, And some of those things they're going to do regardless of of who who the president is, though some of them they're more likely to do if William Lai wins. And uh, uh, again, though, I I don't see too much of this in the next uh, couple of months before voting day. But whether or not these things happen before voting day, we we just have to be very uh, serious about the likelihood that these things will happen at some point. Yeah,
2: you're right. Uh, Well, as I mentioned, they will keep on emphasizing that Taiwan is a democracy and uh, this is the status quo. And they will keep on promoting this idea. So um, the the China, the Chinese side won't compromise either. So um, in this case, tension just will continue to rise.
1: And what about America, Ross? Well, there's some debate about who the United States favors in this election. I I happen to think that the Biden administration, as well as Republicans in Congress, prefer uh, William Lai Lai to win the election. I, I just don't see you know, I mean, there's a school of thought that says uh, the, the Biden administration prefers Ho, ho- Yo we, uh, because, you because know, he won't do anything to increase tensions, but I, I just don't see it. I, I think. Uh, the relationship between the United States and China uh, has frayed over a large number of issues, not only Taiwan. Obviously, there's a large number of issues that have caused relations uh, to be in the where they are today. Uh, I, I think the United States prefers an administration in Taiwan that is tough on China, stands up to China, however one wants to describe it, or rather than one that's accommodating towards China. It, it, and even if one says the Biden administration is soft on China, which you know, a lot of uh, critics say, uh, I, I still think we should... Uh, give the Biden administration's China policy some credit. And, and uh, I don't see where the United States is hoping that a, a uh, that Taiwan has an administration which is accommodating towards China.
0: And Ross, of course, Lai Qingde also announced members of his campaign team this week, putting a former lawmaker by the name of Pesuya Yao at the top.
1: It's about time. I mean, my gosh, the election's only a couple of months away, and he's only first announcing his campaign team. What has he been doing for the last six months or so since he became the the DPP's nominee? Uh, Better late than never, I suppose. Uh, It's mostly a list of people who've been around DPP politics for a long time. Uh, some of whom have lost elections, like Yao. He's he's not won every election that he's run in. I'm not sure why William Lai wants to add a, a guy who's lost elections uh, to a leadership role. But we also also should keep in mind that that sometimes uh, these are more honorary than actually substantive. So Chui Ren, who's been around DPP politics uh, for a very long time and has served in 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 the, the Chen. Shui Bien, as well as the Tsai Ing-wen administrations in different capacities, also received a title. But will he actually really be involved in making uh, policy decisions for the campaign in the remaining two months? Probably not.
0: But, of course, did work for one Koh once upon a time.
1: I, I'm not sure if that gives any great insights into what Koh wen is thinking for this election cycle. I mean, Koh wen um has... Uh, uh, you could say morphed, you could say he's matured, uh, you could say changed his colors, you know, however you want to describe him as as a politician. Uh, he's not the same politician as he was in 2014 when he ran for mayor with the DPP's endorsement, though. Uh, he's, he's, he's he's a different politician today, I think. You know, he's grown into being mayor uh, over the eight years and then a party chairman and and now a presidential candidate. Uh, and much about Koban Joe's public anyway, I, you know, his you know, he's, He speaks his mind, which some people like and some people don't. Um, sometimes he does it a bit uh, uh, off the top of his head, and it doesn't go down well and, and brings him much criticism. But I, I don't think Pasuyao has any great insights into how to defeat Koenja.
2: Koenja is not the, I mean, the first one, the first official, former official trying to bridge... Uh, the gaps between parties, political parties in Taiwan. So, you know, the political arena in Taiwan is very competitive. And the next president, especially if the former Taipei mayor is elected, will have to bring more people uh, to his party and in few, maybe potentially his future government. So he will need people from other political parties and to maybe convince them to join his party so if he doesn't have a majority in leg- especially if he doesn't have a majority in the legislative UN he will need to negotiate with the KMT and maybe some former even former DPP officials and bring them into his government to show that he can bridge the gap between the different uh, political and uh, different different colors in the in Taiwan's political landscape so uh, maybe that's a concern uh, but i would say uh, Um, As a maybe, uh, yeah, uh, there is this game in Taiwan called uh, uh, When the Wind Blows, uh, da feng chui. It means that it's an election year and you will see an increasing number of political figures from, from either side of the political landscape changing colors.
0: And Ross, of course, Lai Ching this week, also said that if elected, he will contemplate, consider and think about seriously putting members of other political parties in his cabinet.
1: We've seen that kind of message from the other candidates, uh, Ho Lee and Ko and They talk about uh, a unity government or a coalition government along the lines that, that you sometimes see in uh, parliamentary systems of government. Uh, no one knows how that would really work in practice here, though, since the, the the premier and the ministers do not come from the parliament and they're they're not confirmed the way the U.S. Senate confirms ministerial nominations in the United States. Uh, so I, I guess someone on Lai's team felt like, oh, that you know, there's some demand for this among the populace, among the voters. So we'll just we'll say that as well. Uh, to be fair. Uh, The DPP, when it's led the government, and uh, to some extent, Maya Joe as well, between 2008 and 2016. Not everyone... That they put in in a ministerial job or the head of the uh, uh, the different commissions th- that are part of the government but aren't ministries. Not everyone is is a member of the party. Uh, there are some people who are uh, aligned but not members, or who are truly independent. So from that perspective, uh, he's he's just ba- lies. Just basically saying, I'm going to do the same thing that uh, ing Wen and Chen Shui Bian did, which is. Uh, Maybe some people who have positions of authority in my government will not be card-carrying members of the DPP.
2: But it makes sense maybe to uh, leave the door open because maybe the vice president is concerned that he won't get a majority in the legislative U.N. So in this case, he might have to compromise on some issues and find someone who can represent slightly also a different opinion from taiwan's political landscape so it's maybe because he's extremely careful
1: well if he wants a different opinion he could just listen to our show and you know we'll (laughs) provide him with lots of opinion or he wants to have dinner with uh xi jinping he could have dinner with the three of us we'll we'll provide him with plenty of opinions
0: or he could just read the china times (laughs)
1: Uh, That might just be criticism as opposed to suggestions that could actually be transformed into actual policies.
0: And Lai Chingdu this week also announced his sport policies, saying they're aimed at better assisting the island's sports industry. Now the proposals include a pledge to increase the budget allocated to sports-related policies and projects from the current 13 billion NT to more than 20 billion NT. Lai also plans, if elected, to establish a sports development ministry, saying that it will be tasked with promoting national sports policies to members of the public and increasing funding for professional athletes to boost their chances of winning honours in international sporting events. This to me Dimitri, sounds like the Sports Administration.
2: Well... (laughs) we understand the presidential candidate interest in attracting eyeballs to Taiwan. Our athletes are highly competitive and they bring a positive image to the country, but I'm not sure if it's a question of money though, for for two reasons. First, actually in Taiwan we don't value sport in the educational process. If you're not good at school, you are usually sent to play sports, and if you are very good at baseball or basketball, we usually don't expect you to be equally good at math. So, you know, most Thai Schools are properly equipped with a field track and sports center. They offer training in different sports, and the teachers are usually well trained and supportive of their students. Now, the problem is some top schools in Taiwan do not value uh, your abilities in sport in the selection and even in the selection of students. To give you an example, uh, my niece, who graduated from one of the top three senior high schools in Taipei, was often told to skip the sports class because she needed to review and so uh, she was very good at school and she did great in college but during her teenage years she gained between 10 and 15 kilos because of just this unhealthy lifestyle the class and then the bushy bands and then the clash and so that that's I think the first problem the second problem is that we have like a shortcut mindset we tend to offer big rewards to highly performing athletes or even top filmmaker or top youtubers and the government tends to give you the rewards because you're really you're already successful and they believe that you deserve more to remain at the top the problem with that mind the mindset is that before you become successful, you are on your own. And it's a shortcut mindset because the government hopes to invest little money and to get the big results and the big media exposure. But when it comes to the average athletes, the promising filmmaker, it can be very complicated to make ends meet.
1: Throw some more money at the problem. Uh, that seems to be what all the presidential candidates are, are suggesting for various uh, policy areas, whether it's sport or uh, the low birth rate, elder care, uh, the environment. Uh, I don't know where all this money comes from, uh, but we'll, we'll just throw money at the problem. We'll, we'll double what we spend on, on one of these items. Uh, the, the problems with sport development in Taiwan are well-known, well-documented. Uh, the various sports federations have an unfortunately lengthy history of incompetence and, and corruption, so the federations that, that are responsible for different types of sports, whether that's basketball or uh, football or, or other other sports. Uh, Taiwan does have plenty of examples of athletes who succeeded uh, in international competition, whether that's in baseball or, uh, again, uh, uh, tennis uh, even basketball uh, martial arts uh, often seems like they succeed in spite of government efforts and not not necessarily uh, because of it uh, I, I i'm just concerned about why is saying throw throw more money at this problem but it, it probably won't be resolved just by throwing money at it
0: But of course, Ross, the KMT presidential candidate Huyo-e this week announced his sports policies as well. A bit of a coincidence, but he said he plans to bid to host the 2038 Asian Games if elected.
1: Good luck with that. I mean, I can't even think about next week or two months from now when the presidential election occurs, let alone 2038. Uh, To be fair, Taiwan does have uh, some experience in in the last decade and a half of hosting uh, international sporting events. There was the university games in Taipei in 2017. There was the Deaf Olympics uh, earlier. Uh, Taipei and New Taipei are, are jointly co-hosting uh, upcoming uh, master's games or senior games, some people call it, which is sporting events for uh, older folks. But it's, it is a pretty large international competition that's going to be hosted here. So there's some experience there. I, I think there might be some uh, uh, countries who would veto Taiwan hosting it at the behest of China. Uh, the other thing about Ho's uh, sports policy, uh, he seemed to be talking a lot about money for the grassroots, uh, you know, more sp- building more of those municipal sports centers, things like that, as opposed to uh, where Lai, what, what Lai was talking about, was more uh, throwing money at international competition preparation and making Taiwan athletes uh, more successful in, in international competition so there was a little bit of a difference in what they were talking about uh, uh, again though ultimately Ho was just saying I'm going to throw more money at this
0: but one could argue Dimitri that I putting money into local sports centres might be a worthy place to begin
2: Well, it's a good investment for sure, but organizing such an international competition won't happen overnight. And there is another cost that you have to consider. If you're using an international competition under the Chinese Taipei name, that could be a much... Bigger and higher cost for a political party like the KMT, if you need to go to the other side of the Taiwan Strait to promote this ID and then discuss with the organizers and agreeing because that 's the only option that you would use Taipei Chinese Taipei as the name for the organizing for the uh, the country organizing the competition. Uh, I, I see many people having heart attacks on this, and that, that would be, there would be so much, people would be so, so angry because I would see it as if we're going backward in time. They'd also be calling
0: for another referendum, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to bother talking about that one. But Ho Yowie this week also talked tough on drugs, saying if elected, he'll create an enforcement administration to crack down on drug-related offences. And speaking at a campaign event in Jungwa County this week, Ho cited recent high-profile incidents of influencers being caught using cannabis for his plans to create a drug enforcement administration, saying there's an urgent need to curb the circulation of illegal drugs. Now, he also said that he'll plan to follow the United States and establish the D.E which is basically what he's trying to establish here, and it would oversee efforts to combat narcotics and tackle the drug problem from its roots. So, Ross, there we go. He wants to crack down the drugs. He is a former
1: policeman, we should remind our listeners. Uh, There is a serious drugs problem in Taiwan, in both local use and transshipment. That's why I often uh, like to say that the reason why the US posted a DEA, DEA official to Taipei at AIT is not just for the sake of upgrading the bilateral relationship. It's because there was a serious drugs problem in Taiwan. Uh, and, uh, and Taiwan organized crime is also involved in, in the global narcotics industry or the opioids industry. So there's a serious problem. Uh, setting up another layer of government, though, that seems to be Ho's suggestion for a number of problems, like he wants to bring back that that special prosecutorial team to look into uh, government corruption, even though there are existing offices and prosecutors who could do that. So in in the law enforcement space, I'd say there are existing entities. Uh, it, the police have their, their criminal investigation division. The Ministry of Justice has uh, the Investigation Bureau, which is analogous loosely to the American FBI. Their intelligence, uh, which could help you know, the intelligence agencies, which could help with cross-border uh, narcotics trafficking. There's already Taiwan law enforcement officials posted at Taiwan's uh, Taipei Economic and Cultural Offices in other countries. Uh, so, I, I, again, I, he's just throwing money with a new layer of government. I'm not. Not obviously I'm not in favor of that uh, but uh, to the extent he has a law enforcement background then maybe he could make a dent in the drugs problem uh, I'll just reveal my bias though it's not because of personal usage uh, I've never even tried it but I, I am uh, in favor of the decriminalization of marijuana because I think too, too, as we've learned in the US too much police resources get spent on, on marijuana and, and Taiwan makes that same mistake Uh, and especially with legalization in so many countries now including nearby in Thailand where now that people in Taiwan just get on a flight, short flight and uh, smoke a joint over there in Thailand Uh, I I do think the criminalization of of marijuana is a waste of resources
2: Well, it's a trendy topic and a lot of foreigners have expressed their views on on this topic but we need to understand that even though we live in Taipei City and we have a feeling that over just the 21st century, uh, we have high-tech, uh Nice transportation, nice uh, standards of living. But we need to remember that the mindset of the Taiwanese remains very conservative. Over the past 60, 70 years, Taiwan has made a lot of improvements, but the mindset hasn't changed that fast. Uh, to give you an example, uh, there was a referendum a couple of years ago about giving the rights to vote to younger uh, Taiwanese people, uh, just under 20 to starting at 18 what happened during the referendum is their parents vote against giving the voting rights to their children because they think that their children maybe should focus on their studies and their future plans instead of, you know, getting involved into politics. So when it comes to uh, smoking pot, we might have a feeling when we come from a different country, when we arrive in Taiwan, that should be okay because because we live just living in Taipei. But I can assure you that the Taiwanese population, they're very conservative on this issue. And there is little hope that parents will vote, even in a referendum, vote to legalize pot in Taiwan.
0: And of course, we must talk about Mr. Kerwin Wenzher now, of course, from the Taiwan People's Party. Now, while the other two candidates were talking tough on drugs and sports and war, well, Mr. Kerr got himself into a bit of hot water after he attended an event in Kaohsiung, because lo and behold, at that event, the DPP's arch nemesis, Cho Yi, turned up. Now, Cho Yi was cited by local media as saying that if Kerr manages to garner widespread support in the presidential election in Kaohsiung, he will seek to assume some kind of role in the city and work with the people there, which, needless to say, made some people happy, some people laugh, some people rather angry, and others, well, they questioned why Kerr would choose to attend an event with Choy as he has a bit of habit, Ross, of courting controversy.
1: Uh, certainly, Cho'e is seen as somebody who's in favour of uh, closer relations with China or even unification with China. He has a huge following on Chinese social media or when he appears uh, on Chinese media uh, tv stations for interviews for example uh, the chinese audience likes him uh, he's not so relevant in taiwan politics uh, but it does show as i said earlier in the program the uh, the road that ko has taken from being a candidate that the dpp endorsed for mayor in 2014 to being a presidential candidate who uh has Joey at his events i mean there's no way he would have done that in 2014 uh, with the dpp's endorsement uh so because uh, on a road to being a third party candidate and i guess as a third party candidate you sort of make those uh relationships with people mm-hmm. who uh earlier in his career you know again it would have been odd uh but there's also an element here which is that people seem to read into Ko Wenzhou what they want to read into him. And I think Chui is an example. Does Chui really think that Ko Wenzhou wants unification? Does Chui really think that uh, Ko Wenzhou supports the 1992 consensus, for example? I I don't think Ko Wenzhou is on record as saying he supports the 92 consensus. Uh, But again, Chui is is reading into Ko Wenzhou as somebody who's going to get along with China, uh, and maybe be like, just like, is an equivalent of, of the Gomindan candidate getting elected. Uh, it almost seems like, uh, you know, Joey, uh... Thinks that there's an equivalent with the Golmin Dong candidate here. Uh, maybe Chewie wants a job in, in the future uh, Ko administration if if Ke is elected president. All oh, that's hard hard to see. Uh, and also, finally, it, it keeps Chewy relevant to local audiences. Look, now we're talking about him.
2: Well, that's what I mentioned earlier. There is this lots of individuals and is perceiving koanje as a, as a strong candidate in the election so the first reaction is maybe starting to get closer to them at the same time you have ko who will who is really short of manpower he will need uh, new supporters or people around him to help him if he gets elected now, could also need maybe to understand that he needs the middle of the road voters, and a person like uh, Cho, he is gonna. Um, a lot of people will be uh, disappointed or angry uh, for bringing him to the campaign. So, yes, need more people. Some people are more up- opportunist, they just want to, you know, take advantage of him. But he needs to be very careful and start try to remain in the middle of the road.
0: And moving away from politics now, well, possibly, but maybe not, and Health Minister Un this week announced plans to introduce draft amendments to the Assisted Reproduction Act. The amendments focus on expanding access to assisted reproduction and legalising surrogacy. Now, speaking to reporters, he said that the draft revisions to the Act could potentially give the public the option of surrogacy, but any changes to the law will be subject to legislative review. He also said that the draft amendments are stated to go through a two-month public review in the first half of next year and are expected to be did- to the Cabinet for review at the end of next year. And the Health Minister also stressed that the conclusion reached during the review stages will reflect public opinion. Now, the statements come after Taiwan People's Party presidential candidate Kerwin Jue said this week that if elected, he will lift restrictions on women freezing their eggs and legalise surrogacy. Now, according to the Health Promotion Administration, along with surrogacy, the draft amendments will also cover granting same-sex couples and single women equal rights to be assisted at reproduction and ensuring the rights of children born via the these two means. Now, the administration's director-general told reporters that the health ministry has held 13 meetings attended by experts to discuss draft amendments regarding surrogacy and has finalised 42 draft articles. Another meeting is expected to be held later this month to discuss draft articles regarding penalties. Now, laws on assisted reproduction here in Taiwan are incredibly strict and illegal in certain aspects and access is currently only allowed to married heterosexual couples in which the wife is able to carry the fetus herself. A couple can use either donated sperm or donated eggs but not both and they must have a medical diagnosis of infertility or major hereditary disease to be eligible to receive the treatment so ross this sounds it's like going to open a huge can of worms because of course globally surrogacy is
1: already a bit of a can of worms clearly this was not a high priority for the thai administration otherwise they, they would have moved on this much earlier either in her first term or her second term the timeline that was outlined is obviously going to span over the transition to a new government and a new legislature next year. So that's that's a rather uh, optimistic timeline because we simply don't know how the next government will view this, uh, these proposed changes go to the executive UN first and then they get sent over to the legislative UN for enactment into law uh, okay I, I just think it's kind of odd the way uh, the minister framed it as if uh, it's a certainty that the next government will want to proceed with this or there'll be support in the legislative UN uh, to pass it into law I mean, that, that's just purely speculative at the moment uh, I, I'm not aware that the public uh, would oppose this uh, I think On issues of sexuality or private rights, uh, the the public in Taiwan is relatively or increasingly progressive. Uh, So there might be some people who oppose this, but I I would think that eventually it will become law. But uh, when, again, I, I think that timeline is a bit optimistic and has a lot of unknowns built into it.
2: Well, yes, the timeline is totally unknown, and uh, it's too much of a rush, especially in the presidential campaign, to bring up such a very heavy topic in the discussion. Well, Cohen, I guess, knows what he's talking about as a medical doctor. I guess he knows that we need to lift restrictions and donating eggs and potentially legalize surrogacy just to boost the, uh, Taiwan's birth rate. But that's not that simple, and um, you know Taiwan has a has a very um, when it comes to the Taiwanese nationality and having a passport. Taiwan is uh, very strict regulations. So there are two different conceptions here. You have the right of soil and then the right of blood. So according to the right of soil, if you were born in Taiwan or if you were born in the United States or in Europe, like France, for example, when you turn 18, you are entitled to get a passport, a U.S. passport, or a French passport. But in Taiwan, we tend to use the right of blood, that means the connection between you and parents, to define whether you are Taiwanese or not. And that's pretty similar to the way the Japanese see nationality. So when it comes to surrogacy, it's going to be a very complex issue because you're going to have to define what the, the the child is, um, Born in Taiwan, made in Taiwan, or was, what happened if it happened outside of Taiwan? How are you going to define and allow him to be Taiwanese or not? So knowing that being Taiwanese, it's a very complex issue in Taiwan, very tense. I don't see how we can discuss such topic over the next few weeks and months. And then for a new, uh, a new, a new assembly uh, next year, that's going to be... I th- A very hot topic to handle, maybe too hot for now.
0: So, Ross, of course, there's a lot of legal problems here, and you're a lawyer, mate. So, what do you think? Because, of course, for profit surrogacy is banned in some countries, including my country, but altruistic surrogacy is okay. I think,
1: uh, based on past experience, Taiwan, assuming that this does get legislated and enacted into law, uh, sometimes Taiwan gets it wrong on the first try, and, and then people point out or have Direct personal experience with the shortcomings, and, and it'll get fixed. So this, as we've been saying, this is going to be a lengthy process. I still think they'll they'll wind up with uh, surrogacy being legal. They will wind up addressing the citizenship concerns. Uh, but uh, an analogous example that comes to mind was the the marriage equality legislation, where initially only you know, the Taiwan spouse could only marry someone who also came from a country that had uh, legalized marriage equality. Uh, you know, this was very discriminatory. Uh, it, frankly, was impractical and it made no sense. And eventually uh, the government decided uh, by, by executive fiat <laughs> without even changing the law, like, okay, yeah, that's fine. You could marry, uh, you could have same sex uh, marriage with people who come from countries that, are not, that, that have not legalized it. So, uh, again, th- these issues will come up. Uh, the the first version of the law won't be perfect, and eventually, whether by executive authority or returning to the legislative, you add these things will get fixed. But this will be a lengthy process. But you raise a, a tricky question here because
2: uh, when it comes to same-sex marriage, uh, you can uh, same-sex couple uh, if your partner comes from men in China, you cannot marry him or her. So, can you imagine if uh, your, the surrogate mother is from China, lives in China? Can you imagine the complexity of this issue in Taiwan? Uh, I will. We will enjoy such conversation, but I don't see any solution within the next eight to eight years.
1: I, I, a simple solution would be to say you could have a surrogate mother from everywhere in the world except Madeleine. <laughs> <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> And, Ross, do you think this could get, like the gay
0: marriage issue, Ross, do you think this issue could get kicked to the constitutional court?
1: Anything is possible. I, I like to say that the pendulum of, of one's rights in, in Taiwan has often swung to swung over to uh, maybe not extremes, but to uh, significant, it's liable for significant reinterpretation and change at times uh so yeah I, i guess it's possible that somebody would make a case out of this and the judges might agree that you do have a constitutional right to pick whoever you want to carry your own uh child to 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 birth uh that that doesn't mean it would move as quickly as you know, again the ministry is working on this. Uh, a constitutional court challenge might move slower, uh, but ultimately, I, again, I think we'll wind up there. It's just this is still early days, and what will be a lengthy process. And Foreign
0: Minister Joseph Wu this week was visiting Lithuania, Estonia and Latvia. Now, according to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, he attended forums and gave speeches to underscore Taiwan's resolves to safeguard democracy with like-minded countries while in the three Baltic states. Now, he attended a forum in Lithuania where discussions were held on the subject of the future of democracy. He delivered two separate speeches at the Institute of International Affairs in Latvia and he attended the International Centre for Defence and Security in Estonia, where he praised the Estonian government for allowing him to speak publicly despite Chinese protests over plans for Taiwan to open a representative office in Tallinn. Now, of course, this visit to the Baltic states does come, as there's been a bit of coverage of the opening of the representative office of Taiwan in Estonia, with Estonia's foreign minister last week saying that his country is ready to accept the establishment of a non-diplomatic economic or cultural representation office of Taipei in order to promote relations. But China, needless to say, got a bit antsy about that and told Estonia, stop.
1: I'm reluctant to overuse the word breakthrough, but especially in the context of the foreign ministry, which loves to, to use the word breakthrough. Uh, but to be fair, if a foreign minister, who's, who's already visited European countries, different uh, European countries in recent years, if he gets to visit some countries where he, he hasn't previously visited, then I suppose you could say that it, it's a breakthrough. I. I do you think we should also note, though, at least publicly, there seems to be an absence of uh, bilateral meetings between Foreign Minister Wu and government officials uh, f- from these countries. Um, maybe they met out of the public eye. Uh, and then, of course, there's always meetings with parliamentarians, which is not the same as meeting government ministers or government officials. Uh Taiwan has offices in many countries around the world, usually named something like the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office. Uh, Obviously, as as everybody knows by now, the Lithuania example caused China to be upset in part because the office was called the Taiwanese representative office as opposed to the Taipei Economic and Cultural Office. Uh, Does it really matter to China, I, I, just like they, they punished, quote unquote, Lithuania by not uh, no longer buying stuff from Lithuania, I suppose they could use that tool again, but it, it doesn't really impact the Chinese economy if they're not going to import stuff from these very small Baltic countries
2: we understand uh, Taiwan's interest in building closer relations with European nations like their the European Union is the biggest investor in Taiwan economy so we've seen a lot of government delegations and legislative delegations from Europe visiting Taiwan in recent years which is a good thing but when it comes to investment however it is complicated tricky for the government to become like the development manager for the semiconductor industry if we uh, officials come with the next few weeks to tell you that we're going to build another factory in that country that could be problematic but yes it does make sense uh when it come i remember uh, there was a delegation come we came to taiwan a few a few weeks ago uh, there was there were expectations a lot of expectations but when it comes to a major investment like a tsmc factory in the end the investment was made uh in germany so we will learn maybe in the next few weeks what we are the the discussions why taipei this time not taiwan for the name of the office it will we learn anytime soon
1: ultimately though we have to question what what these countries could do for taiwan they're small they're bound by uh eu policies in some cases um they're not sending troops or selling weapons to taiwan uh they don't buy a lot from taiwan and and Taiwan has already made a large financial commitment and we, we have to keep that in mind as well even though Taiwan denies it engages in checkbook diplomacy but it committed to invest 200 million dollars US dollars in Lithuania's tech industry and created a billion dollar uh, credit fund which is basically financing for Taiwan con- companies to do business in Central and Eastern Europe so Uh, I I expect, as a token of thank yous, we're probably going to also see some announcements, like we saw with Lithuania, that uh, Taiwan state-owned companies have suddenly decided to buy some stuff uh, from Latvia or or Estonia as a thank you for letting uh, Foreign Minister Wu visit. And that'll make China mad, and the whole cycle will just continue.
0: A never-ending cycle. Anyway, before we go this week, the National Gong University released the results of a study on urban green spaces, which found that increasing green space coverage in an area by 1% is associated with a 0.2% decline in the suicide rate. Now, the study was recently published in the academic journal Landscape and Urban Planning, and the research team said it hopes the study will be useful to urban planners in government, particularly those in cities, which have to contend with high property values and a general lack of open
1: spaces. It's Certainly an interesting uh, connection that they have made there between the amount of green space and suicide. Uh, as you said, there, there's a limited amount of green space. They're there the little parks tucked away in the alleys behind the main roads. Uh, there, there are a few very large parks like Da'an Park or the Botanical Gardens. I was at the Botanical Gardens recently. They're wonderful. Uh, I definitely encourage people to, to visit, um, now, especially now that the weather is going to cool off. Uh, but Taiwan is a high-pressure society. Uh, Dimitri mentioned earlier your niece and her scholastic experience, which forced her to study long, long hours to the detriment of, of health. Uh, the work, working environment is, is high, high pressure, long hours. Uh, I'm not sure if this will bring about a change, uh, but it shouldn't surprise us if uh, municipal governments announce that they're going to save lives and, and prevent suicide by building some more green space and trying to score some points with the public.
2: Well, it's an interesting. It's an interesting topic. We also learned that uh, universities, you know, across Taiwan, there are thirty universities already uh, that have set up these mental health days, allowing them to allowing students to take a few days off to think and address their concerns about mental health. Uh, when you look in when I look at Taiwan maybe Taipei New Taipei they're very uh, highly dense cities but it's not the case in most cities across Taiwan when you turn around you see uh, parks you see uh, mountains everywhere so I'm a bit interested uh, surprised by the results of that survey but that makes a lot of sense it raised a lot of concern if uh, maybe when you have uh, been to a city like hong kong where you know you don't have that much space that maybe the survey would make me to me a bit more sense over there but taiwan so far we've been lucky and we have many beautiful parks in most uh, in most cities
0: and the Taipei botanical garden as ross said is a very nice park
1: yeah, uh, but having such this one very large, nice park hasn't prevented the suicide rate from being what it is. Uh, I'm sure the three candidates for president, if they had more time, they would announce a, a huge amount of money for suicide prevention efforts as well. Um, They'd also...
0: We'd also been sitting here, Ross, going, they've thrown a lot of money at more parks. uh, They're not likely to do
1: that, of course. Well, only because they're running out of time, Gabby, (laughs) right? There's only two months until until election day. Actually,
2: they already did a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember, but uh, when they... Before constructing a new building, when the land, when the sale was done, uh, the promoter was supposed to build a park on that specific spot. And when a few months or a year or two later when the construction started okay they would just start constructing but before construction start they were supposed to make a park
0: and they did actually there was yes, one they did one near where mr feingold here used to live on roosevelt road that popped yes. up for a while but yeah. that's a, and he'd walk past it and go that's a nice little park You can yeah. go sit there in the evening and suddenly overnight it disappeared and turned into a dirty great high-rise yeah. which ross couldn't afford much <laughs> to his chagrin
1: thank you Gavin
0: <laughs> anyway that's where we'll leave it here this week on Taiwan this week and I've been joined in the studio today by Dimitri Buyas it was great to be here and by Ross Feingold have a good weekend and thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Taiwan this week here on ICRT with me Gavin Phipps and don't forget to check out Taiwan this week podcast on your favourite podcast app where you get access to all our previous shows